Okay, so um, it's good to be learning together again. And we're going to talk a little bit tonight about Rosh Hashanah and uh, time allowing, maybe a little bit about the sequence of the Yom Tovim, just a little bit after Rosh Hashanah as well, as I believe this is going to be the only class until after the Yom Tov season, Emir Hashem. So, we're just a couple of days away from Rosh Hashanah. In fact, today was, um, was Chaf Hei, the 25th of Elul, which is the day of creation, because Rosh Hashanah, of course, is the day of creation of Adam and Chava, the sixth day of creation. But creation really begins today, 5,784 years ago today is when the world was created. Um, and nevertheless, even though creation was today, in the davening of Rosh Hashanah, we're going to say, We're going to call Rosh Hashanah the day of the beginning of creation, even though it's the sixth day of creation. And the explanation given by Mepharshim and is expounded on in Hasidus is because although the world was actually created, Shemayim Va'aris, heaven and earth, six days earlier on the 25th of Elul, but creation wasn't complete until Adam and Chava were put into the world with a mission of partnering, so to speak, with Hashem to perfect creation. Hashem creates the world full of materials and makes it up to Adam and Chava to do their avoida in the world. And in that way, bring shleimos, bring tikkun, bring completion to the world. And that's why the tchilas masacha, when creation really begins, is the day of the birth of Adam and Chava, and that's what we celebrate as Rosh Hashanah. The beginning of every year starts again from Rosh Hashanah. The Pasuk says in Parshas Ekev, when it talks about Eretz Yisrael and Hashem's special love for Eretz Yisrael, the very famous Pasuk says, Tamid Eine Hashem Elikecha Bo. Hashem's eyes are always riveted on Eretz Yisrael. Mireshis Hashana Vaad Acharis Shana. From the beginning of every year until the end of every year. That Hashem's eyes are riveted on Eretz Yisrael from the beginning till the end of the year. And the Alter Rebbe in Tanya, the fourth section of Tanya in Egeris HaKadosh, asks an obvious question. If it says that Hashem's eyes are riveted on Eretz Yisrael from the beginning of the year till the end of the year, that means always. Right? If he's watching from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, and then the new beginning till the new end, that means Hashem's eyes are always riveted on Eretz Yisrael. Why then does the Pasuk say that Hashem's eyes are there from the beginning till the end of the year? Who could have said, Eine Hashem tamid. Hashem's eyes are on Eretz Yisrael always. Instead of saying from the beginning till the end of the year, just say Hashem is always watching, Hashem is always watching over Eretz Yisrael. And there the Al-Tarebbe goes into the concept and the idea that's so central to Rosh Hashanah. And that is that although Hashem is mashgiach on this world, Hashem looks over and provides and, and gives this world everything that the world needs, nevertheless, all of Hashem's bracha that Hashem gives to the world is given in one year increments. So it's not as if Hashem created the world one time and since then the, water, the world just keeps on going. But rather everything, all the bracha and all the hashpa that Hashem gives to this world is given in year increments. And it starts from Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah is nimshach, is brought down into this world all of the chayis and all of the energy and all of the bracha that's going to be in this world for the entire year and is brought into the world, given into the world for an entire year. And then at the end of the year, all of that chayis and bracha, that energy and that, that blessing that was given into the world, at the end of the year ascends back. And then on Rosh Hashanah again, 
Hashem gives a new chayis, a new energy, a new bracha, a new ashpah to the world for the next year. And this happens every year. And that's why the Pasuk says, the Altar Rebbe says in Tanya, that Hashem's eyes, Hashem's eye refers to Hashem's bracha, and Hashem's hashgacha, Hashem's providence on the world, is from the beginning of the year till the end of the year. It doesn't say it's always in the world, because always would signify that it's just like one everlasting hashpah, and it's not that way. Every year, there's a new chayis given to the world for that year. And the Altar Rebbe says something else beautiful in Tanya. He says every year, it's a new, higher and greater chayis than ever came into this world. Every year, it's restart on Rosh Hashanah. New chayis, new energy from a whole new level of godliness that's given into the world, the bracha and the chayis and the plenty that's going to be given for this entire year. And that happens on Rosh Hashanah. That's uh, indicated in that word. Interesting, the words of that pasuk were mireshis shana acharis shana. The word reshis spells the letter tishrei. It's in the beginning of tishrei that this energy is given into the entire into the world for the entire year. Now, when it's given, so really on that day of Rosh Hashanah, all of the chayis is given, and that day contains all of the bracha and all of the chayis for the new year. And that's why, famously, as the Rebbe would point out so often that we say in Hebrew, Rosh Hashanah, even though in the English and in many languages they translate it as the new year, but in Hebrew, if it would be the new year, it would be Tchilas Hashanah, the beginning of the year. Instead, it's called Rosh. Just like a Rosh, just like the head, contains all of the energy of the body and all of the energy for the various limbs and so on and so forth. And the, the head then guides and leads the entire body. The same is with Rosh Hashanah. That that day, that, that double day, that 48-hour day of Rosh Hashanah, contains all of the chayis and all of the energy and all the bracha for the year. So that really, it says, the Rabbeim said, that every minute of Rosh Hashanah is like thousands of minutes of chayis, thousands of minutes of energy, thousands of minutes of bracha, because every minute is, is a minute that contains in it thousands or tens of thousands of minutes for the, the, the energy of the whole year that we have in this day. And that's why the Rabbeim were so... So tell us to have to be careful with the moments of Rosh Hashanah. It's not a time to waste time. It's not a time for Islam for extra sleeping or extra this. It's a time to say more Tehillim and, and more mitzvahs because of the tremendous power of, the, of every minute of this day, which is the nerve center and the chayis, the energy of the entire year. Just like a head, which every detail is so important and so significant. Chas Hashanah, one thing tiny off that's in the head affects the whole body so negatively, the same is with Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, the time used in a holy way affects the whole year in a very tremendous and powerful way. So that's the general concept of the, the chashivos, the power of Rosh Hashanah in every moment of Rosh Hashanah. Now, on Rosh Hashanah, we have the, what's called the mitzvah sayoim. The great mitzvah of the day of Rosh Hashanah is, of course, the mitzvah of blowing shofar. As although it's a yamtiv like every other yamtiv, but the special mitzvah, it's called mitzvah sayoim, is the mitzvah of shofar. In more detail, we have in the davening of Rosh Hashanah something very unique. And that is, we know the, the setup of davening of Shman Esri of the entire year. Every day, we have Shman Esri is made up of 18 brachas or 19 brachas. There's the first three, there's the last three. The first three are praises of Hashem, the last three are thanks. And the middle section is requests. That's every day. Shachros and Mincha, Mairev, every single day. The first three is, is thanks. I'm sorry, the first three is praise. The final three is thanks, and the middle is requests. Shabbos and Yom Tov always, we take out the whole middle, all of those requests, and you have the first three, right? The first three are the same, Shabbos, Yom Tov, weekday, the praises. The last three are always going to be um, thanks, 
And on Shabbos and Yom Tov, the middle becomes one bracha about that Shabbos, or about that Yom Tov. And therefore, whereas a regular weekday Shemonesrei is 18, again, nine, it became 19, is 19 brachas, a typical Shabbos Shemonesrei is 7 brachas. The first three, the last three, and the middle, which is the, the bracha of that Shabbos. When it comes to Rosh Hashanah, one time in the year we have a departure of that, and we have the first three, which is the praise, the last three, which is the thanks, but the middle, on the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, is three brachas. And they are the bracha Malchios, dealing with Hashem's uh, kingdom, kingship, Zichronos, dealing with the fact Hashem's memories and re- how Hashem remembers us and we remember Hashem, and Shoifres, dealing with the mitzvah of uh, blowing Shoifer and the different times in history that Hashem blew and will blow Shoifer. So we have Malchiyis, Zichreinis, and Shoifres, and this becomes the middle bracha of the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. So Rosh Hashanah is the only time when you have a Shemonesri, which is nine brachas. There's the first three, there's the last three, and the middle is Malchiyis, Zichreinis, and Shoifres. It's famously a long Shemonesri, dealing again with the kingdom of Hashem, the, the memories remembering, um, Hashem remembering us, and Shoifres, Hashem blowing the Shoifre. So this becomes central to Rosh Hashanah, the theme of the kingdom, Malchias, Zechernis, the memories, and Shoifres, the mitzvah of Shoifre. The Gemara says, I mean, just to uh, continue that one, one more moment, that each one of those brachas is made up of ten psukim. There's ten psukim from the Torah about Malchias, ten psukim of the Torah about Zechernis, and ten about Shoifres. And even that is interesting. There's three from, from uh, Chumash, three from Nevi'im, three from Suvim, and then one again from Chumash. And that's the build of the Malchias, Zechreinus, and Shefres. Ten Sukkim, Malchias, ten Zechreinus, ten Shefres. The Gemara says, that Hashem says, Imru lefanai Malchias, say before me Malchias and Rosh Hashanah, Kedeshe tamlichuni aleichem, to make me your king, to make me the king over you. That every Rosh Hashanah we accept Hashem as our king once more. Zechronos, say, say Zechronos, talk about the memories, how, how I remember you, so that your memory should come before me in a good way. That your zikar and your memory should come before me. How is everything accomplished in Rosh Hashanah through Shefer? So Malchi is accepting Hashem as our king. Zichroines, that our memory comes before Hashem in a positive way, is all through the Shefer. And that's, a, that's the theme of Rosh Hashanah. Malchus, accepting Hashem's kingdom. Zichroines, Hashem remembers us and blesses us. And all this happens through the Shefer. So, a very beautiful idea about Hashem's, the Malchius and the Zechernes and how all this happens through the Shefer. So there is actually two very beautiful Mishalim, two very beautiful metaphors or parables given by tremendous Sadikim about blowing the Shefer. One is of the Baal Shem Tov, the Holy Baal Shem Tov, the founder of all Hasidus. He gave, again, a mashal that became very famous. Mashal is, he says, about a king who had a very wise son, who was the crown prince, and the king wanted that the son should go out to the world and learn more about the world, learn more about the countries and the subjects and so on and so forth. And the king sent the son away far away from the palace, and he sent him with tremendous amounts of money and servants and so on and so forth. The son went far, far from the palace, but the son wasn't wise. And he distanced himself from the ways of the king, and he was very involved in his own pleasures and so on and so forth. He sold off all the gifts of the king, and after some time, he had become just very, very distant from anything connected to the king or the prince, or being a prince. Distant country, different language, forgot everything. Forgot everything about 
about the king and the family and the palace and, and, and the whole and the type of behavior of a prince. And years later, he was overcome with remorse and wanted to return to his father's palace. And he comes back to the palace, but he doesn't remember anything and nobody remembers him and he doesn't look like the prince. He doesn't even remember the language of the palace, the language of the king. And he comes back to the palace and he's trying to motion to the guards that he's the king's son, they should let him in and nobody understands him. They think he's Meshuggah, they, they don't understand him at all. And, and he's, and he's overcome, overcome with, with regret and remorse and he just cries out, crying. He doesn't know the language, but he's crying, hoping that his father, the king, will hear him. And indeed, the father in his room in the palace hears his son's voice, and he comes down, he brings him into the palace, and his makar of him brings him close, and returns him to his position as prince. And the Basham said that that's a mushal for Klal Yisrael, and specifically the mitzvah blowing the shofar in Rosh Hashanah. He says that, of course, Hashem is the king, and of course, we're their son, and of course, Hashem sent us into the world, and in the world, he felt we would, we would become greater. He, he knew that we have the ability through Tyre to become greater, but many times, instead of becoming greater, we become sunk into the worldly and the material, and materialism and so on and so forth, and, and we forget the language of the neshama. We forget the language of Hashem, the language of tefillah, how to, how to address Hashem properly. And comes Rosh Hashanah, we want to come back, but we don't even know how to talk properly. We don't know how to express ourselves really properly to our Father in Heaven, to Hashem. And that's the sound of the shofar. The sound of the shofar, which is a simple blast, a simple cry, representing, as we say, mimamakim kirasicha Hashem, calling out to Hashem from the depths of our heart with a cry. And that cry awakens the love of our Father of Hashem, who comes and brings us into His palace. That was the Balshemtiv's mushal, the Balshemtiv's parable for blowing the shofar. That's the Balshemtiv. Two generations later, you have one of the great, famous Hasidic masters, is Rebbe Yitzchak of Barditchev, was a colleague of the Alter Rebbe, a disciple of the Magid of Mezrich. And the Mezrich Magid, in his Sefer Kedush Levi, gives another parable for blowing shofar, a totally different type of parable. And his parable also with the king, but this time the king traveled from the palace, the king himself traveled, and the king got lost. The king got lost, and he's again, he's in a distant place, and the people that are there don't know about the king, and don't know about the palace, and don't know about the capital, and they have no way of helping. This king is asking people, who can help me? Who can bring me back to my palace? But nobody knows. The king then bumps into one man, a wise man, who this wise man quickly realized that this was the king. And this wise man knew how to help the king, and he returned him, he got him onto the right road, and was able to help him return to his palace. The king, in gratitude, calls this man and brings him to the palace and makes him a minister of the king. And for many years he's a minister. But then there comes a time when this minister, um, he breaks a law and goes against the king. In some very terrible way he goes against the king. And there's a judgment and the, uh, the person realizes that his judgment is not going to end well for him. He rebelled against the king and the, the punishment for rebelling against the king, he'll be put to death. So the person comes before the king and the minister and he says, King, whatever punishment is destined for me, I accept. I have one request before the execution of that punishment, one request. The request is, I want to wear those garments that I wore when you were lost in the forest all those years ago, and I want you to put on the garments that you were wearing then, and I want to sit together for a moment, reenact that moment when the king was lost in the forest and I came to the king's aid and I helped save the king. And the king grants him that request. And when the king sees, when they're sitting there together and he's wearing those garments, the king is wearing those garments, so then the king's Rachamim, his mercy for this person is, is aroused. His feeling of uh, gratitude and, and a feeling of indebted to this person is aroused. And he, he uh, rescinds the decree 
and he reinstates this minister to his place of being a minister. Said the Holy Rebbe Yitzchak of Bardichev, he says, this is the story of Hashem and Klal Yisrael, because Hashem, one time, a long time ago, when Hashem wanted to give the Torah, he comes to the world, and he goes to all the nations, and he asks them to receive the Torah, famously, the Gemara tells us, and the nations don't want, each one for its own reason. And it's Klal Yisrael who accepted Hashem's Torah, and accepted Hashem's yoke, and accepted to do Torah mitzvahs, nasa and Ishma, and they so to say, saved Hashem in this world. They were the one nation in this world that accepted Him and lived with Him and took, took Him as their king. But over the years we sin. And because we sin, there's punishments and there's decrees and so on and so forth. Comes Rosh Hashanah and we want to remind ourselves, or more importantly remind Hashem, so to speak, to arouse Hashem by reenacting that time of Matan Torah. Matan Torah, when we accepted the Torah, we accepted Hashem as our king, and we, so to speak, came to Hashem's um, we, we saved Hashem, so to speak, in this world, when we accepted His Torah. And that's why we blow the Shefer, said the Baradit because the Shefer is to remember the blowing of the Shefer that there was by Matan Torah, as the Pasuk says, that then there was a Kol Shefer, God el there was the great sound of the Shefer. So the Shefer reminds of that Matan Torah, and that arouses Hashem's mercy for us, and therefore He, he paskins, He gives us the... Uh, and whatever decrees that are meant for us, Hashem pulls us out of it, and that's the, the story of blowing the shefer. That's the, the holy Bardit Shiver's marshal parable for, for Tkiah Shefer. So the Rebbe Nasicha talks about these two parables, Nasicha and Amaimer, about the parable of the Bashamtev and the parable of the Bardit Shiver. And he says, think about it, one is really Malchios and one is Zechreinus. We said earlier that Rosh Hashanah is made up of remembering Hashem being our Melech, arousing the memories of Hashem and through the Shefer. So here we have, he says, the first mashal, the mashal of Hashem Tov, is about the son who went, who became estranged, very far from his father, the king, but he wants to come back. He wants to reconnect to the king. He wants to become the king's son again. He wants the king to take him, take him in. And that's with the Shefer. The sound of the Shefer, which as we said, was that cry from the depths of one heart, the mimamakim kirasicha Hashem, is what arouses Hashem to say, okay, you know what? Come back into the palace. And yes, I'll be your king and you'll be my son. So the mashal of the, of the Basham Tov is the mashal of Malchius. We accept Hashem's Malchus through the Shefer once again. And the mashal of the Bardit Shever is the Chreinus. We, we, we want to remind Hashem. We want to reawaken, reenact that time when we accepted Hashem full-heartedly by, by Matan Torah and, and, um, and we, 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 um, we came to Hashem's defense, if you will. We were the ones who stood up for Hashem to accept His Torah in this world. And again, with the Shefer, reenacting the story of Matan Torah, where Ma'ira, we arouse those Zichreinus that bring us the bracha of the, of the Ksiba Vachasim so that's how the Rebbe explains that these two Mishalim, the Mashal of the Baal Shem Tev and the Mashal of the are Malchiyos, where we accept Hashem as our Melech, through the, through the cry of the Shefer, and Zichreinus, we awaken the positive Zichreinus of our relationship to Hashem that goes back to Matan But this year, we have an interesting situation. And that is that the first day of Rosh Hashanah is Shabbos. And that's really the only day of Rosh Hashanah from the Torah. Right? From the Torah, Rosh Hashanah is only one day. Even though, interestingly, Rosh Hashanah is the only Yom Tiv that all Klal Yisrael does two days, even in Eretz Yisrael, right? When it, come to, when it comes to Sukkot or some Chaser or Pesach or Shavuos, Eretz Yisrael does one day. And out of Eretz Yisrael, we do two days. Rosh Hashanah, everyone does two days, for reasons that I'm not going to get into now. Fact is, all of Klal Yisrael does two days of Rosh Hashanah, but the second day is rabbinic. In the Torah itself, 
the mitzvah minhat Torah of Rosh Hashanah is the first day of Rosh Hashanah. And this year, on that first day of Rosh Hashanah, because this year it's going to be Shabbos, in a couple of days, the first day of Rosh Hashanah is Shabbos, and that happens every couple of years, we don't blow the shofar. And the question is, why? Why don't we blow the shofar when the Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos? And the obvious answer given, um, the Gemara says, and the famous basic answer is, because this is a halachic, uh, this is a gzera, um, a rabbinic decree, and that is because a person might accidentally carry the shofar outside. Right? you got to blow the shofar, but you don't know exactly how to do it. You go to the rov, you have a shayla, and you might take your shofar and go outside. You go outside, you might carry on Shabbos. You carry on Shabbos, it's an aver. So the Chachamim, who've made so many different types of gzeras and decrees to laharchik esa adam in ha'avera, to make sure that we don't come inadvertently to sin. So the Chachamim say, we don't want you blowing the shofar on Shabbos because of a person who might carry the shofar in the street. Now that's that's the basic answer. That's what it says in the Gemara. That's what it says in Shulchan Aruch. But the question is, and Chassidus asks the question, but how does this? How does it make sense? The shofar is so central to Rosh Hashanah. The shofar is the way that we accept Hashem as our King again. The shofar is the way that we remind Hashem of our zikaron for Matan Torah, and like the whole Rosh Hashanah hinges on the shofar. It's the mitzvah of the day of Rosh Hashanah. So how could it be that because? There might be some people that might carry the shofar outside. So because of that, nobody blows the shofar. And no tzaddik in the world blows the shofar. And no rebbe. There's no shofar. And the only day of Rosh Hashanah, which is Midir Isa. Because of a possibility that some people might do a, an Avera, it seems that we're missing out on the essence of Rosh Hashanah, blowing the shofar. And this is a question that bothered the Rabbeim and the Mamorim. Talk about that. Many of the Mamorim of the Rabbeim Deal with this question. Yom Tov Shalosh Hashanah Shachali Yis B'Shabbos. How is it? How is it that we lost such a special mitzvah just because seemingly a technical concern that maybe someone might come to sin? And there is a interesting answer given in um, I saw from a from a from a nigla perspective, and that's from the real parts of the Torah. I saw this in the Sefer. He says an interesting thing. It says. Um, there's an interesting medrash that says that Hashem created Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday, Thursday, then Friday. So each day had a had a pier. Right? Sunday, there's Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday. Says the medrash, Shabbos comes to Hashem and says, I don't have a mate. I don't have a pier. It's just, it's just me. I'm an odd number. Again, Sunday goes along with Monday and Tuesday goes along with Wednesday. Thursday goes along with Friday. Who do I have? Shabbos complains to Hashem. The Medrash, this is the Medrash's way of telling us that everything has a neshama. Shabbos also has a neshama, the day of Shabbos. And the day of Shabbos says, Hashem, I don't have a mate. And Hashem says, your mate is Klal Yisrael. Klal, you, Shabbos and Klal Yisrael are like, are like a peer. They'll keep you and you'll keep them. They'll guard you, they'll keep you, they'll honor you, and you'll protect them and honor them as well. So the Psalms say like this. So Shabbos is the ultimate mate of Klal Yisrael. So when it comes to Rosh Hashanah and Shabbos, and we're, we don't blow the shofar because we're careful, we don't blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah and Shabbos because we want to be super careful with Shabbos, then Shabbos becomes the one who helps us with Rosh Hashanah. He brings a, bring a marshal, an example of a person who, um, again, a person who was in trouble, and he couldn't find a good lawyer, and his, his wife says, I'll be your lawyer. Your best lawyer is the one who loves you most, who's your mate. So therefore, this Sefer says, 
that Shabbos becomes the lawyer for Klal Yisrael, whatever the Shofar has to accomplish, Shabbos has to accomplish. That's what it says in Sfar. But in Chassidus, it explains this concept on a deeper level. And what explains Chassidus is that really going through going to a deeper place of what happens on Rosh Hashanah, like why do we have to bring down Hashem's energy to the world once more? I said earlier from the Alter Rebbe Tanya, every year Hashem gives His energy into the world for one year. The energy, the bracha, the highest for one year. And at the end of the year, we through our avoda have to call down, so to speak, the godly energy and bracha into the world again. So Hasidah says what we really have to do every year is awaken within Hashem the tainug, the pleasure of creation. Because Hashem on His own, so to speak, is above and beyond creation, above and beyond the world. And every year through our avoda of Rosh Hashanah, through our Kabbalah Samalchus, through our accepting Hashem as our King, through our dedicating ourselves once again to Hashem, what we're doing is we're being ma'irer, we're awakening Hashem's ratzim, Hashem's desire and Hashem's pleasure in creation. And that happens every year. And it's through the Shafer's blast when we blow that Shafer. And when we remind Hashem of our Sinai. And when we accept Hashem as our King again. Famously, Rabbi Sadi Gon said that in the olden days when they, when they crowned a king, they did it with trumpet blasts. And when we crown Hashem and Rosh Hashanah, we do it with the blast of the Shefer. So the Shefer really is to be ma'irer, to awaken Hashem. Hashem's tainug, Hashem's pleasure, and Hashem's ratzin, Hashem's desire to create again, to, to again invest in this world. It's a, we're, we're every year through our Aveda reawakening the desire to invest in this world. Says Hasidus, on Shabbos, Shabbos does that. When Rosh Hashanah falls around Shabbos, Shabbos alone, Shabbos is Yoy Menucha, it's a day of pleasure, it's a day of Tainuk. Shabbos has the power of awakening within Hashem the Tainuk, His desire and His pleasure in creation, and we don't even have to do the Avodah of blowing the Shofar. So in other words, what Shofar typically accomplishes, Shabbos accomplishes on its own. So Hasidah says, it's not, it's not as if that this year, because Rosh Hashanah is on Shabbos, well, we sort of jipped out of the main mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah, and, and we hope that it'll be a good year without Shafer. Right? In Torah, everything is exact. If the Chachamim made a gzera on Rosh Hashanah of Shabbos, not to blow the Shafer, that means the Chachamim understood that a Shabbos Rosh Hashanah doesn't really need the Shafer in the same level, because what Shafer accomplishes, again, to, to awaken Hashem's desire for creation, that is accomplished by Shabbos itself, which is the power of Menucha, the power of Tainug, and that, that accomplishes and affects that Hashem feels that and feels and sees that Tainug, that desire in creation, and gives us that bracha for another year coming. And that's the uniqueness of when Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos, which again happens uh, this year, as it happens every couple of years. So I want to share with you about Rosh Hashanah and Shabbos, because this year, the first day of the year is Shabbos, right? Shabbos is Aleph Tishrei, is Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the year. And as we know, there's a uh, quote um, in the Zayar, it says, I think it's the Zayar, it says, Basar Resha Gufa Azil, the whole body follows the head, which is a fact, right? The, the head leads the body. So if Rosh Hashanah is the first day, if the first day of the year is Shabbos, that means that this coming year, the whole year has a certain strain of Shabbos and certain messages that we can learn from the fact that the first day of the year is Shabbos. So it was, I was a student in the yeshiva then in New York, this was Rosh Hashanah of Tafshin Nun, 1989. So Rosh Hashanah of 1989, also like this year, was Rosh Hashanah was Shabbos. 
And in the days leading up to Rosh Hashanah, the Rebbe then talked about a couple of ideas that we could learn practical messages from Rosh Hashanah being Shabbos and how that we could take that to impact and affect the coming year, taking the, the special, unique messages of a Rosh Hashanah Shabbos for the year coming. So I want to share two such messages. Really, it was two public letters. The Rebbe was writing what's called a Mikhtav Kloli, a letter addressed to all of Kali Yisrael. It was rest, uh, addressed El Bnei Bnei Yisrael B'chol Mokim Shehem to the to the children, to the men and women of Kali Yisrael wherever they are. So the first was a letter that came out on Chai Elul, right, uh, twelve days before Rosh Hashanah, and the second came out on on Meitzoy uh, Shabbos And in each one, the Rebbe took a different angle of looking at Rosh Hashanah and Shabbos and the message of Shabbos again, how we carry it through the year. So let me just go through those two messages. The uh, first idea was about a very interesting thing of Shabbos. Shabbos is separate from all the days of the week. It's a day of Kedusha, right? It's a day of Kedusha, it's a day of separateness. It's a day when we're higher, and that's why we don't do malacha, we're not involved in the worldly and the mundane on the same level. It's a day of, of aloofness, of separateness, of, of, of being higher, of, ex, of experiencing Kedusha, a level of removal. That's Shabbos. And the Rebbe says, just like Shabbos is a day, in the same way we have Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael is a, is a nation that Hashem sanctified. Now, just like Shabbos is sanctified from the six days of the week, the other six days of the week, Klal Yisrael is sanctified from all the other nations. Hashem uplifted us and sanctified us on Klal Yisrael. So if Shabbos is the Shabbos of the week, Klal Yisrael is the Shabbos of mankind. And then the Rebbe went on and said, within Klal Yisrael alone, there is people who are Talmidi Chachamim. That's Shabbos within Shabbos. In Klal Yisrael, who's all on Am Kaddish, there are those people who are on a, on, a, on a greater level of Kedusha. And then the Rebbe says, and then there's even greater, there's the Nasi, Nesiyah Yisrael, the Tzadikim of the generations. That's Shabbos within Shabbos. The point is, Shabbos is all about being uplifted, being holy, being sanctified. That's on the one hand. But there's something amazing about Shabbos. On the one hand, Shabbos is about Kedusha and sanctification and being uplifted. But on the other hand, on Shabbos there's a mitzvah to have physical pleasure on Shabbos. And to eat special foods and to wear special garments and so on and so forth. So what is Shabbos? Is Shabbos a day of sanctification and being uplifted and being removed? Or is it a day of mundane and gashmias? What's the, what's the message of Shabbos? And of course, the answer is that this is not a contradiction. Shabbos is a day of Kedusha and upliftedness, but that that Kedusha and upliftedness should also permeate our eating and our dressing and even our Gashmias all becomes Shabbosdik and all becomes uplifted with us. So Shabbos is a day of Kedusha, without a doubt, but not just a day of Kedusha in a way that we become separate and holy, but that our Gashmias also becomes uplifted. Eating on Shabbos becomes a special mitzvah. The same foods that during the week, who says you need it? On Shabbos, that becomes a mitzvah. So Shabbos is a day of Kedusha, but not a Kedusha of separateness, a Kedusha of being uplifted and bringing with us that our Gashmias also and our homes are transformed and our food is transformed and our clothing is transformed to the Kedusha of Shabbos. 
So the message of Shabbos, the Rebbe said then, in that letter of Chayelo, 1989, was that the message of Shabbos is that it's a time of holiness, of upliftedness, but with the special ability of uplifting and sanctifying whatever my, my surroundings as well. They too become included in the Kedusha of Shabbos. And therefore, says the Rebbe, in a year, that the first day of the year is Shabbos, and we have this concept of Basarei also that the whole year follows the, for, for the first day of the year. That means this coming year is a year that we have the ability to be on a higher level, on a greater level, and that that level of Kedusha can also spread and bring with us also our homes and also the food that we eat and also our, our mundane activities. They all become included in a beautiful and unique Kedusha, a Shabbos Diki year. And that's this coming year, the year that it's Rosh Hashanah, Shechali, is B'Shabbos, and we don't blow the Shefer, it has that special, unique Kedusha of Shabbos, upliftedness, and the ability to bring our, 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 our everything into that uplifted state in this coming year. That was a point that the Rebbe spoke about on Chai Elul of that year, to, of 1989. But then he moved on to a different point. And the next week, on the Shabbos, Meitzoy uh, Shabbos of Slichis, he said another idea about Rosh Hashanah Shechal and Yosbe Shabbos. And he said something very interesting. As we mentioned earlier, the most unique thing about this Rosh Hashanah is we don't blow the Shefer. On the first day. Of course, the second day we're going to blow. On Sunday we blow the Shefer. But on the first day of Rosh Hashanah we don't blow the Shefer. And we discussed earlier, if we don't blow the Shefer, we seem to be missing out on such a central mitzvah. And we gave various explanations. The Rebbe then gave a different angle to it. He said the following. He says, Rosh Hashanah is all about accepting Hashem as our king and dedicating ourselves to Hashem, uh, rededicating ourselves. We say in our davening, that Hashem should be the king, and should be my king and the king of the whole world. And I accept that once again. And the void of Rosh Hashanah is the void of saying to Hillam and accepting that, recognizing that we're, 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 in, we're, in Avda de Kushabrichu, we're servants of Hashem and here to serve Hashem. So Rosh Hashanah is all about accepting Hashem as one's king. Shabbos also is about remembering that Hashem is the creator of the world. The mitzvah of Shabbos is to remember that Hashem created the world in six days. The seventh day he rested. Shabbos is about remembering that Hashem is the master of the world. So Rosh Hashanah and Shabbos have, they contribute. They contribute to each other and bring us to a higher level of bittel. Of, of, um, of giving ourselves over, so to speak, to be servants of Hashem. So in what is it expressed, this double level of accepting Hashem as one's king, this double, double level of total um, hismasra, total dedication to Hashem, says the Rebbe, it's expressed in the fact that we don't blow the shofar on Shabbos. There's something special about not blowing the shofar. And what is that? He says, there's something greater than when one feels that they're doing something. They're doing, they're accomplishing. What's greater is when one feels that whatever is done, they're doing, they're, they don't, it's not even me that's doing it. It's an automatic sense of doing Hashem's Ratzin. I don't feel like I'm the one who accomplished and did. To make it easier to understand, the Rebbe gave a mushal. He says, giving tzedakah. So one can give a lot of tzedakah, but one can have the sense of, I'm the giver. I gave a lot, and I helped this person, and I helped that person, and that person. But one can have a sense that I did all those mitzvahs 
I have a sense of pride and happiness. After all, I am the giver. I'm the benefactor. A greater level is when a person does everything but doesn't even feel like they did something special. They're so totally devoted to what needs to be done that it has to be done. And did I do it? Someone else did it. It's not about me. It's not about my achieving greatness. It's about fulfilling what has to be done. And the Rebbe said then, that's the message of when we do Rosh Hashanah and we don't blow the shofar. When we blow the shofar, we are doing the mitzvah blowing shofar. It's wonderful to do a mitzvah. Not blowing shofar is, I'm serving Hashem by not doing. By not feeling like I'm the doer and I'm the accomplisher. I'm just there to fulfill whatever is necessary, whatever Hashem wants. And the Rebbe says that's an even higher level of dedication to Hashem than when we blow the shofar. When we serve and we don't feel like we actually serve, like we did something special, there's something great about it. It's such a level of, of, uh, of devotion, of dedication, of connection to Hashem, I don't feel like I'm the doer. Just whatever has to be done will be done. And that says the Rebbe specifically in such a year. A year where Shoshana falls on Shabbos has that message, that koyach, that we should be, we should be um, avde Hashem in a way without even feeling that yes, I'm the one who accomplished and I'm the one who did and I'm the one who learned and I'm the one who daven and I'm the one who gave tzedakah but rather just whatever that Hashem's kavan, Hashem's mission is fulfilled and that's what I'm here for. Whether I'm the doer or not the doer but Hashem's kavan, Hashem's mission should be fulfilled. That is a message of the Rosh Hashanah that falls on Shabbos when we don't blow the shofar. And that was, that was the two messages that the Rebbe spoke about in that year again, 1989 when like this year Rosh Hashanah was falling on Shabbos Again, the first idea, that it's a year of, a year of, of extra Kedusha, but Kedusha that also pervades our Gashmias and our homes and everything just like Shabbos, and it becomes a year of Shabbos in that way, and it's a year of such bittel to the Ratzon Eli and such devotion to Hashem's Ratzon that it's not about me feeling like I'm the one who did it and accomplished it, but rather just that I'm there to fulfill what Hashem wants. Those were messages of Rosh Hashanah, Shachalios, B'Shabbos that again we go on to in this year as well. I'll conclude with one last idea. The Apostle says in Shir HaShirim, Smalei tachas l'roshi v'yiminei techabkeni. We know that Shir HaShirim is all this uh, metaphor of the chas and kala and that, that endearing and loving relationship which is the muscle for us in Hashem. So one of the psukim is where we say Smalei, his, his left hand supports my head, and his right hand embraces me. Again, his left hand supports my head, his right hand embraces me. And according to Hasidus and Kabbalah, of course, is always severity and kindness. And what the Pasuk is really telling us is that a relationship, a relationship starts off with some level of givura, Severity, but then it comes to yimin, which is kindness and happiness. And Chassidus, the Rebbe talks about this in the Mamorim. This is the story of the month of Tishrei. The month of Tishrei, which is, of course, the most significant month of our year, and the most significant, filled with so many different messages and ideas. In fact, it's called Chedesh Hashvi, the seventh month. But the word Shvi also means Savua. It's filled, it's seishi, it's sated, and filled with all the energies and all the messages for the entire year. So this month is divided into two halves. There's the first half, which is Rosh Hashanah, Aser, Simit Shuvah, Yom Kippur, which is the days of awe, the Yamim Neroim, much more Yira-based, Gvura-based. Hashem is, there's Din, there's Judgment, and it's a, more of a serious time. And then comes part two, Sukkot, 
Simchas Beisasheva, Shmini Atzeres, Simchas Tera, all Simcha and happiness. Says Chasidus, that's what this Pasuk is talking about. The first part of the Pasuk is Smoil, the revelation of Hashem's Gvura, and awe, and Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur. Smoilay Tachas Lereshi, Lereshi is Rosh Hashanah. That's the Smoil, the revelation of the severity, so to speak, the Din, the Gvura. And then comes Yimin, the right side, the happiness, the, the Ava, the love, and the, the happy, open relationship we have with Hashem, which we celebrate throughout the Yom Tov Asukas. And that's the two halves of the month of Tishrei, Gvura and then Chesed. But the question is, why do we need Gvura in order to get to Chesed? Why does it have to start that way? Why, why do we have to have 10 days of Gvura and Din and seriousness or to a degree, and then the days of Simcha? Why is it built that way? And, and of course, there's, there's many ways of, of, of talking about this and explaining, but one idea from this, and that is, Gvura is necessary in order to break down the external shell. Rosh Hashanah, Aserah Shuva, Yom Kippur, there's certain things, there's certain negative things that build up sometimes, and there's, hell, there's concealment, concealment of Hashem in the world, concealment of Hashem in our lives, concealment through things that we may have done, or just situations that we're in, and that gvura, that severity helps break down anything that separates between us and Hashem, any avarice or anything negative that might create that there's a dissonance or a disconnect between us and Hashem. And the, the Gvura Dika days, the Tshuva days, the davening of these days breaks down anything that's in the way, any of the Klippa. We know the word for unholiness and Chasidus is always Klippa, which means a shell. A shell has to be broken through. But once the shell is broken through, what comes out is the beautiful insights. The Pasuk says in Shir Hashirim, Hashem calls this world a uh, Ginas Egois. Ginas Egois says, Al Ginas Egois Yoradeti. I've descended to the Orchard of nuts. Why is this world called an orchard of nuts? As Chasidus, because just like a nut has a shell, and you break the shell in order to get to the fruit. And once you break through the shell, then you have the beautiful fruit. So Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, those days of Yira, and those days of Shuvah, those days of davening, those days of Tehillim, break down any din and any gevura and anything negative in order to allow for the fullest connection of us, of the, the beauty within each and every one of us, the neshama within each and every one of us, the kedusha within us, to be able to celebrate that fully with Zman Simchasein. And therefore Zman Simchasein at the time of Rasimcha is a direct extension of the din and the gvura days of Rosh Hashanah, Aserah, Semit, Shuvah, and Yom Kippur that reveals the essence of every Yid and allows that to fully celebrate with Sukkis and Zman Simchaseinu and the Sukkah and Simchas dancing with the Torah, Hashem Shalom, that it should be a, a, a very, very meaningful Chedesh Tishrei for everyone, full of the Hashem's brachas, and Aksidu Ximatevichak for everyone and everything that we need, personally for everyone, and for Klal Yisrael, and, and best, the best brachas should be Tishrei with Mashiach, Sidkenim, with Hashem already from the beginning of the year, and it will be Simcha all the way from the beginning. That's Hashem.